Recording in progress. Alrighty, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast as we look ahead to Saturday's matchup uh, between uh, Purdue and Florida Atlantic. And joining us to talk about the Owls, Zach Weinberg Berger. Uh, he's the FAU sports writer for the uh, Palm Beach Post uh, down in Florida. He's a Florida native. He's from Miami. He wants to be in this business. I don't know why, but yeah, he wants to be in this business. And hopefully all the knowledge he spews out today will help him get a job uh, down the line. Zach, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk about FAU. Thanks for hopping on the, the podcast today. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me. All righty, let's go back to the beginning of the year. Um, they've played four games, so obviously there's a pretty good sample size. But what what were the uh, the expectations for this team this year? And uh, in the second part of that question, how how have things kind of played out through four games, and have they played out like you thought they would? Well, just coming off the past two seasons, you know, expectations were just you just wanted to see a, a major improvement of this team, you know going into the pandemic year that a lot of people seem to kind of give uh, head coach Willie Taggart a pass on. You end the year off last season, four games, uh, not scoring 20 points or more. You're missing out on a bowl game. Uh, the program just really expected a lot more, especially now you're in the last season of your conference in Conference USA. You're going into the AAC. You want to have a big year. And when it came to the expectations of Willie Taggart kind of renovating the, 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 coach, the coaching staff, Bringing in head, uh, offensive coordinator Brent Deerman, defensive coordinator Todd Orlando, uh, Billy Gonzalez, the wide receivers coach. Uh, I, I would say the most impressive coaching staff he, he's assembled so far. The expectations were pretty high, you know. And just kind of answering your uh, second question there, kind of how it's been, uh, been so so. You know, you, you have that big game against Charlotte in conference play, a lot of hype around that game, uh, and then you go play a Mac school in Ohio. Uh, the defense did not look great at all. Offense, there's a lot of to like, 38 points. Um, and then you get Southeastern Louisiana, a team that you should beat, that you should win by a lot. They did just that. Um, and But really, that a deflating loss against UCF. I don't think really anybody, um, especially me, didn't think that they were going to beat UCF at the end of the day. But you thought that they were going to be at least a little more competitive than what they were. The first half... Uh, they were competitive, and then it just fell off right in that third quarter. And we've seen that a lot uh, this season so far, that downfall in that third quarter, uh, just kind of that losing focus in that second half. And I think that's what you want to see against Purdue. You want to be a more competitive game. We'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, another uh, tough uh, non-conference game. But, yeah, so far, so so okay. You know, it, it's been kind of a weird season. You, obviously, I'm not totally off the boat. You want to see how they do in conference play, but... Uh, we want to see how they perform against Purdue. So, uh, do you look at last last week as a bit of a step back based on what they had done in their first three games? I think so because when you talk about the kind of the players that have been improving, uh, talk about the players that were uh, supposedly going to be superstars of this team, the coaching staff that Willie Taggart brought in, uh, you wanted to see a, ver- a very competitive game, especially since you know the fan base uh, would have had a big. Uh, com- Depending on the result of that, that game, um, so it's a step back. But 
again, at the end of the day, if somehow FAU wins the conference championship, I don't think people will remember it. Uh, but still, um, you want it to seem a little bit more competitive again when you talk about the top schools of Florida. I know fans and, and the program and the, and the officials, they obviously want FAU to be so, a little bit of a mention, you know, but um, but we have to see how, how it, you know, again, the season's a marathon, you know, not a sprint. So. Um, now, I, I watched a little bit of their, I think, first game against Charlotte and maybe saw parts of another game. Uh, to me, this is a team that is built around offense, um, has has some weapons offensively that have caused some teams some problems. Just kind of break down their skill players um, and maybe what they're they're capable of doing on any given night. Do they have that those weapons to to really put up a lot of points? Uh, definitely the talent level and the offense is there, you know, especially where, you know, last season uh, you had Nikosi Perry, right, six-year guy. He's been in college football for a long time uh, with, obviously, University of Miami. Um, he's kind of bringing that big game experience uh, to FAU. Uh, didn't spend the spring with him last season, so he really didn't have a true offseason with FAU. You saw sort of the relationships uh, not totally uh, fully intact. But, you know, this offseason, especially going into the season, um, the relationships between him and the receivers, him and the running backs, offensive line, the coaches, uh, it's been a huge standout, you know. And we've seen that for most of the season. You know, we saw that performance against UCF and, you know, kind of throwing for under 100 yards and, you know, not really doing well in the second half. Um, but, again, like Brent Dearman told me this morning, you know, he's the type of guy that just turned the page, he turns the pages without, he deals with adversity pretty well. So we'll see how he performs against Purdue, but he's definitely a guy you have to look out for. He leads that offense. Um, but also speaking to Dearman today, he talked about the run game. He saw Larry McCammon, Saberi Mobley, what they've been able to do. I mean, against Southeastern Louisiana, they both had over 100 rushing yards. That's the first time since Devin Singletary, current Buffalo Bills player, and Kareth White did that in 2018. So uh, the running game, they're really built around that. But again, the receiver play is also there. Jamal Edgeman, Jaquan Burton, LeJonte Wester especially. Uh, the health of Jamal Edrin and Jaquan Burton will have to clarify when uh, I talk to Ted Thursday, but they should be playing, they should be making big plays. And that was the problem last season, uh, was the receiver play. Almost maybe cost them games. So there's a big conference game against Marshall where a lot of drop touchdown passes that could have changed the momentum of the game. So uh, those are the players, definitely for sure. Perry, you got to look at the running backs. Um, and even Johnny Ford, you know, former USF guy that just came back you know he was uh not playing for personal reasons as cited by coach taggart and now just another playmaker you add so this offense is deep it's just you know you, you have to see how they play uh, throughout a whole season um what kind of system are they offensively are they are they no huddle are they quick or are they a little bit deliberate uh they're definitely more quick from what i've seen especially since uh 2020 where you know taggart just first got into this team uh, you're going to see a lot of quick huddle offense. We saw a lot of that in UCF, especially in that first half. Uh, they like to run a lot of RPOs. You know, Nikosi Perry is known for his throwing ability, but again, he does like to run the ball a lot. So you're going to see a lot of that. And I, I think this Purdue defense, um, again, we, we heard the offense today just talk about how really uh, tough they are up front. So if the running game is going to be a huge part of this offense, they got to get by that Purdue front and. We'll see if they do it. I have my suspicions, but uh, that's kind of what they run for the most part. Right now, defensively, um, you know, when a, when a team scores as many points as FAU, usually the most skill set is on, on the on the offensive side, and they just kind of get by defensively. But where where are they at defensively? And 
Um, is it a team that came into the year with uh, the idea that they could be better defensively uh, this season? Absolutely, especially when you have you know star players like Evan Anderson, defensive tackle, and, and TJ Young. The problem is that both of those guys might not even play Saturday. We know Evan Anderson for sure, who's arguably their best defensive tackle, just best defensive player on the field. He's not going to be there, uh, Taggart told us Monday. Uh, TJ Young hasn't played the past two games. He, he's, a, he's a big DB for them that has been very productive. He might not be there. We're still waiting to see on his, on his front. But you have to look at the DBs below him. You have to look at Smoke Mungin, uh, uh Jaden Williams, who's been kind of a, a freshman that has really popped off. Um, but this defense is going to blitz a lot. They're going to provide a lot of pressure. That's what Todd Orlando loves to run. Um, but, again, I expect that they're really going to tackle uh, through the middle, Purdue, especially in the running game, because, again, it's so vulnerable without Evan Anderson, who's been such a run disruptor. So, you have to look at guys like Jacob Merrifield and Latrology, who should be that next man up after Evan Anderson. Um, but it's going to be a very aggressive defense, even if they're missing a couple guys. Uh, I mean, are they are they comfortable playing one on one in the back half if they're going to blitz as much as they are? And how do they <clears throat> kind of keep Purdue's receivers under control if uh, if that's what they're going to do? Well, you sort of mentioned it. And it's funny because especially in that game against Ohio, the, the DB play was was not great. Uh, especially we saw that in the, again in that second half against UCF was uh, the DBs uh, let a lot of guys in, let a lot of guys through. So we'll see how Todd Orlando sort of adjusts to that because, like you said, if you're going to blitz, uh, guys are going to be most likely open. You just depends on how you get there. Um, so again, when looking at you know Purdue's offense. You have to stop Aiden O'Connor for giving it to guys like Charlie Jones who's been a reception monster this year for Purdue. Um, and it's so that it's a little worrisome because, you know, uh, we're actually speaking to, to uh, coordinator Orlando and some defensive players tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of look at, uh, you know, Purdue and look at what they did wrong these past uh, four games and kind of building it up to this game. Right. Uh, I was going to say, anytime you can get a guy by the name of Smoke into the conversation. I, I think that's uh, that's lovely. I would I would love to know the why he was named Smoke and if that's on his birth certificate. I just hope that it doesn't mean because <laughs> receivers smoke by him, you know. So we, we hope to not see that Saturday. Um, but yeah, he's he's had that nickname for quite a while now. Okay, well, hopefully it's a nickname, and I would love to see what it, his passport says uh, <laughs> the, 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 to get that. Um, just kind of a big picture question. He talked about Willie at the beginning and the program, kind of where it's at, and um, you know everything I hear about Florida Atlantic. Great place to recruit to, nice on-campus stadium, and and all that kind of stuff. But it's you know it's kind of been hit and miss with that program over over years. And I understand you're going to not get the top tier players in Florida because those those players are going elsewhere, but. Have they made enough inroads getting that second tier of Florida player to really keep their program at the level that they want it? Which, by the way, real quick, Smoke Monday's real name is Romaine. That's okay, the there you go. All right. <laughs> uh, but to your question, again, you know, I, I kind of saw out about that is that, you know, this game that they just had against UCF, you saw a lot of recruits from FAU kind of judging which school they want to go to watch that game you know you kind of saw that twitter presence uh from the recruits 
So, again, you know, what FAU has done there, if, even if the program for football has been sort of on and off, like you said, been very inconsistent, uh, it, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to, like you said, the stadium and what they want to do for the program, they're on the rise for sure, you know, and I think that we're seeing more kids uh, want to go there, like you said, whether it be because, again, it's, it's, it's Boca Raton, it's the, the better facilities, the Schmidt Center compared to the Osley Center from years ago, that's still there, but they use the Schmidt Center more. Um, we're seeing more kids and more recruits, and there's one thing that Taggart has done well is that he has recruited well in finding these players and finding these guys that he wants to develop. So we'll just see how that sort of happens, especially since they're going to the AAC, bigger level of competition of play, more eyes on the product with the ESPN deal and stuff like that. So um, we'll see. But again, they're definitely a program on the rise. But with that, you want to see a better football team. You want to see a consistent winner, a consistent contender. Uh, is there anything we need to know special teams-wise from Florida Atlantic? Uh, it, it was a problem against UCF. You know, <laughs> one of the things we saw, which was a huge game-changer besides some goal-line stands that weren't converted, was a field goal that would have uh, put FAU in, in maybe slight contention to come back in the game, blocked field goal. Uh, we've seen some punts kind of muffed here and there, but... Uh, for the most part, Morgan Suarez, their kicker, is a guy that has made a lot of kicks this season, uh, especially in, I think he said before the UCF, and he's been waiting for that big-time kick. So it, it's a special teams unit that I know Taggart and the rest of the coaching staff, they, again, they want to be perfect in all three phases of the game. They're obviously uh, not forgetting that. Um, but you know, it, it, to say that it's their strongest point, I can't say that yet, especially since they lost... I want to say their best player, uh, maybe program history, Matt Abel, who went to uh, Vanderbilt. Um, so, he, you know, he did a lot of, of good stuff there. But I think it's it's better if you don't want to see your special teams unit as much, especially when punting. You know, and if you've kind of seen that, again, FBA has been a high-scoring offense against these teams. Um, but, you know, again, you don't want to see, uh, like, the block field goals that, that we saw against UCF, you know, especially when you're facing against uh, a Big Ten team in Purdue. Uh, we'll see how the, that level of play and how they push them. So, um, at this point, the level of concern is kind of not there, but I haven't seen them in big situations in a game-winning situation. Um, just where does where do you think Florida Atlantic fits into the conference this year and uh, the pecking order and um, you know where where they may end up at the end, end of the year? Is this a team that you feel good about that will get bowl eligible at some point or? Is that going to be an uphill climb for them once they really jump into the, the meat of the conference schedule? Well, if I'm being completely honest, especially from what I've seen uh, of how Taggart has again like recruited, like I said, and the players he's brought in, uh, I have no doubt that the team is, is definitely talented for sure. I think the problem that I've seen the past couple seasons, especially last season, we saw the game against UCF, is the coaching, you know, and I've said it before, you know, that I, I think this is sort of that make or break year for Taggart. You know, if you don't, if you miss out on a bowl game again, do you feel does the program feel confident in him going into the AAC with, with even bigger level of competition? So that's why this year's conference play is going to be pretty huge. You know, and um, are they as good as, as a team like UTSA? I don't think so, but I think that they can contend for a conference championship. Uh, it just depends if we keep seeing these self-inflicting wounds and uh, just just coaching problems that we've been seeing. So, um, I I definitely think they could be uh, a contender for you know in the conference. Um, 
we'll just see what happens in, in terms of coaching because, again, I think that's going to be a huge uh, storyline this season. All righty, our guest today on the Boilers Extra podcast, Zach uh, uh, Weinberger from uh, uh, the Palm Beach Post. He's the FAU sports uh, writer. Uh, he's all things FAU. He's all things Owls. And I'm sure he's all things something else. He just hasn't shared that with us yet. But we appreciate we appreciate Zach jumping on and giving us an in-depth look at the Owls and what what we can expect uh, on Saturday night. Um, night games are what Florida Atlantic plays, right? I mean, this is what, the fifth straight night game? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and we'll just have to see. It's good to not play uh, in our stadium to some degree because it gets, it's so hot at night. Um, but we'll see how Indiana serves it. Right. Well, it'll be a little bit more fall-like weather here on, on Saturday night as opposed to uh, humid Florida uh, weather. But anyway, Zach, we appreciate you uh, jumping on and giving giving us a look at Florida Atlantic. Uh, and uh, best best of luck to you in your pursuit to uh, provide uh, great coverage down there at the Palm Beach Post and also uh, good luck in your, your hunt for, for jobs and making a career out of this. It's a uh, it's not an easy business right now, but uh, I'm sure you'll do well. And again, appreciate your time today. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Recording stopped. Well, once again, we thank Zach for hopping on the podcast and breaking down uh, FAU Force 7:30 on Saturday night at Ross Aid Stadium. It is homecoming uh, for the Boilermakers, uh, so a lot of uh, they expect a good crowd, and the weather I think is supposed to be pretty good. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, from Purdue's standpoint, it's pretty clear what ha- you know what what needs to be the focus this year uh, or this week. Uh, Got to clean up the penalties. Just too many penalties, too many uncalled for penalties, um, and you're gonna you know you know Jeff Brown went through this whole thing on on Monday during his press conference. You you're not going to agree with every call, but you, you have to you have to move on. You have to accept it. Football's an emotional game. There's a lot of a lot of motion involved in every play. Um, players are going to chirp. Uh, they're going to talk trash. They're going to try to get in your head. And when you let them get in your head and it affects your play, then that's when you get in trouble. And I think Purdue got in trouble. Uh, obviously, at the end of, at the end of the game, with you know Payne Durham getting the um, unsportsmanlike penalty uh, after the touchdown, and then Jeff Brom getting an unsportsmanlike penalty, um, you know trying to get an explanation of what Payne Durham said and really not getting that from the officials. Um, and that was probably a byproduct. While that act alone probably wasn't warranted to get a flag on Brom, but I think he was probably barking at the officials throughout the game. And at some point, that, that doesn't do you any favors. Not that he should question any calls during the game, but you've got to there's got to be a balance there. And anytime your head coach gets a unsportsmanlike flag, it's a, it's a bad look, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whether you agree with it or not. It, it's 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 a bad look, and you just you, you can't you can't have that. I mean, you just you can't you can't have that. And he he may not have done anything that warranted it, but it happened. And then th- those two penalties put Purdue. Uh, in a situation where they had to kick off from the ten, I mean, you you know what happened, and and then uh, 
you know, uh, Syracuse got great field position and ended up winning the game uh, as a byproduct to some of this stuff. But there were other flags during the course of the game. Jack Sullivan can't hit somebody out of bounds. I mean, that's that was – while the unsportsmanlike penalties are, are pretty bad, well, you know, that penalty on, on Jack Sullivan and what he did uh, directly led to a touchdown for Syracuse because it was third and ten and the Garrett Schrader had not gained any yards, but he hit him out of bounds. You know, you've got you've to play under control. And that's, to me, that's all a factor of uh, maybe some, some of the culture in your program a little bit where um, you've, you've got to play under control and you've got to tighten things up. And, you know, no one's, no one's, no one's is expecting Purdue to be uh, not to play with emotion, not to play hard, not to play to the whistle, uh, not to be physical, but you know you have to play within the bounds uh, of of the rules and the game, and um, you need to just gotta have to have better control. That that's the bottom line. So Purdue has to clean up its penalties. Uh, if it does, you know it it will be in good shape. Uh, but this you know this this is going to hover over them uh, for a while. I mean, it just is. Uh, until they can win a close game, uh, not have self-inflicted wounds, uh, not beat themselves. So this is going to hover uh, for, for a while uh, until the next time they're in that position. And that next time may be Saturday. That next time may be at Minnesota. You know, they are going to play more close games. There are, there are going to be games that come down to the wire. And they just have to have a better composure about about themselves, and I'm sure it bothers them. Um, but you know they they've got to work themselves out of this label that they've put on themselves uh, as far as uh, not being able to finish games. Um, and you know, kind of becoming their own their own worst enemy uh, because you know Purdue had got itself back in the game. After being down ten, and um, you know, it's just a shame that it ended the way that it ended. Uh, and then, you know, Purdue got two more unsportsmanlike penalties after Syracuse had scored. Uh, one was on Cam Allen, the other one was on Chris Jefferson. So um, that that was not a good look as well. So you know, Purdue's got to you know they have to clean up some things and. You know that's the bottom line, and I think it's up to the the captains on the team uh, to kind of make sure everybody understands what you know the consequences of this. Because uh, if you, you know if they keep going down this path, they're they're going to finish with uh, not very many wins, and and this season's going to end in a a disappointing fashion. Uh, but you know they have to pick themselves up now. They've got to get a little momentum going into the Big Ten play. Uh, they're going to face an offense that can put up some points. You know, I, I think Purdue will be able to move the ball uh, on the ground and through the air, but um, you know they they they're going to have to defend this team. And you don't have Jalen Graham. Uh, it's not an excuse; it's a reality. And you know, Jalen Graham's your best defensive player, so you've got you know the, you have to pick up the slack somewhere. You just hope that he he can get back. You know, maybe he gets back from Minnesota. I think that's best case scenario, but probably not till the next week against uh, Maryland. 
but you got to overcome some adversity there. Uh, so I'm confident Purdue can move the ball this week, but can they slow down uh, the the Florida Atlantic offense enough uh, so this doesn't become a ping pong match, a back and forth game? Uh, so uh, it should be an interesting game. The weather will be good, conducive for um, uh, for uh, a lot of uh, potential, a lot of points, and uh, we'll see how. Uh, that uh, that plays out. Got one email uh, that uh, came my way uh, since the last game uh, uh, from 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 Mike. He uh, want to know how do I think this staff is regarding in-game adjustments. Um, you know, it's a little tough to tell because uh, you don't know exactly what they're doing. I mean. Was it an in-game adjustment that when Purdue got down 10 that they scored right after that? I don't know. I just I, To me, that's about making plays. Uh, you know, did they, you know, how much are they changing defensively? Uh, from Are they going from zone to man, man to zone? Uh, are they, uh, you know, what kind of coverage are they in? Um, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh you know, Mike brings up, you know, from Brom acknowledging they should have run more at the end of the Penn State game to pass coverage at the end of the Syracuse games. Were they too aggressive because they felt like they were not being aggressive enough against Penn State? Um, you know, against Penn State, they probably were not aggressive enough. Against Syracuse, they were probably too aggressive. Uh, so they've got to find that middle ground. And that's, um, uh, you know, and that's something that you just kind of have to work through, and each game is different. You can't; it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, in my opinion. Uh, you, you know, you have to size up what's going on with the game, what you know your guys can handle, um, but you still, you know, this program is still going to be centered around being aggressive on the defensive end, and they're going to be aggressive on the offensive end. Uh, so they need to, you know, it's it's more of a game by game situation. It's hard to, again, you can't put a blanket over everything and say, well, this is what you, this is what you should do. Bottom line is you got to make plays at the end of games. And Purdue has not made enough plays both offensively and defensively at the end of Penn state and Syracuse to win those games. Uh, now when you, when you look offensively there, there were moments and to me a big moment in the Syracuse game is at the end of the first half, Purdue has the ball with three minutes to go. They're up nine to three. Well, here's a chance for Purdue to get some points at the end of the first half, and then they're going to get the ball to start the second half. So you got a chance to, you know, the minimum, let's say, you get two field goals. Well, you go from nine to three to fifteen to three. Well, maybe you get a touchdown and a field goal. You well, you go to nineteen to three. Maybe you get two touchdowns. Then you're, you're you you've stretched it out even more. I think those are the opportunities when you look back on it that Purdue needs to take advantage of. In both those cases, Purdue went three and out and didn't get any points on either one of those drives. And I think that's the case where here's a moment for you to take control of the game. And this is an offensive program, and its offense needs to do better in those situations. Yeah, I mean, there's another team out there that's defending you and trying to stop you. Um, but Purdue, in that case, couldn't come up and couldn't, couldn't afford to come up empty in both of those possessions. They needed to get points either on both possessions or one possession um, to really start to increase that lead. 
you know, if you do that, if you get points on either possession or both possessions, then you're not coming down at the end, or you shouldn't be coming down at the end, putting the game in somebody else's hands, not being able to close it out, uh, or you get into just a close game where one play can beat you, one penalty can beat you, uh, one situation can beat you. So there's, you know, that's there are moments in the game when the, those things are are magnified. They may not seem big at the time, but when you go back and look at it, uh, they are. Um, so anyway, we appreciate the email. Hopefully, uh, answered the question as, as best as possible. But anyway, Florida uh, Atlantic and Purdue Saturday night, seven thirty at Ross Aid. Um, we'll be back uh, uh, after the game, early Sunday morning or maybe later Sunday morning, depending uh, how tired I am and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to uh, give you a post game wrap up on on what happened Saturday night and then looking ahead to the the resumption of Big Ten play and, um, you know, Purdue, you know, again, Purdue needs this win to just kind of feel good about itself and uh, going back into Big Ten play and and then, you know, go from there. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by again. Thanks to Zach uh, Weinberger from the Palm Beach Post uh, to break down FAU and what what may happen on, on Friday. Uh, Thanks for stopping by and have a good day.